Do you know who was named the best putting mat in 2022 by my golf spy? It was the mats from Birdie Ball. It'll help you sink more putts and make more birdies with a Birdie Ball putting green, all in the comfort of your own home. Check out Birdie Ball online at birdieball.com. Birdie Ball is here to make golf more fun and accessible. Find out more at birdieball.com. It's time for Grilling at the Green. Join Jeff Tracy as he explores the golfing lifestyle and tries to keep it in the short grass for the hackers, dew sweepers, and turf spankers. Here's Jeff. Just open up the door and let's take good times in. Tomorrow's going to be better than today. This is an encore. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Grilling at the Green here on AM860, The Answer in Portland and the Golf News Network, which, by the way, we have a 24-7 golf uh, news network channel on iHeart on, on their podcast programs now. So you can find that if you go to Golf News Network. We'd like to thank the folks at um, Painted Hills Natural Beef, as usual, Beef the Way Nature Intended, and also Birdie Ball. Uh, Birdie Ball was rated one of the, the top training aids for golfers uh, since I think the year 2000. So it's been around a while. It does good. Anyway, more fun today, though. Uh, if you ever wondered what it was like to be a tour caddy and especially on the senior tour, well, we've got your answers today. We've got Larry Molestic here with us. He's got a new book out called Golf Road. Uh, it's Golf Road, My Time with the Masters of the Game. And Larry's had quite a life with that. He hasn't caddied for a while now, but there's some great stories in this book. I think you'll enjoy And Larry, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Jeff. Really appreciate it. No problem. As I was telling you on the phone, I'm always on the lookout for new golf books. I don't know how many golf books I have now, probably a couple hundred. I don't, I couldn't tell you, but when I saw yours, I looked at it and then I was kind of scrolling through some other stuff and I, I scrolled back to yours and went, that looks really interesting. So I ordered it. I read it. And hence, here you are. Um, first of all, what prompted you to write Golf Road? Well, I'll tell you, Jeff, I, I knew I was sitting on top of a great golf story. Um, I was really fortunate to be embedded in golf during a really, frankly, extraordinary period in the game, uh, both on the European PGA Tour back in the mid 80s and on the what we call the senile PGA Tour back in the uh, <laughs> later 80s and the 90s. And I just, I, I knew I was sitting on a great story, a, a great golf story. Well, it you did, and you lived through it, and you managed it. And uh, I don't know you, but I'm proud of you, because uh, having spent a few times bouncing around the world, I know how tough it can be. When you started, you'd, you'd not really had too much experience with golf. Uh, and then very shortly you find yourself over in Europe, uh, living in a tent, like a vagabond with a group of gypsies, some great stories there. Tell us how you made that transition. Well, actually I did have some experience in the game, Jeff, in that I grew up catting at North shore country club in Glenview, Illinois. And, uh -huh. um, you know, those were what I call my caddy shack days. Um, I'd like to think that my book encompasses four different phases of my life, the Caddyshack era, the European PGA Tour era, the C senior PGA Tour era, and then my transition out of the game. So I did have some experience and my life was altered when I met a Glaswegian from, uh, obviously from Glasgow, and he was packing for Greg Norman at that time. 
Now, this is before Greg Norman was the, the great white shark. He was just Greg Norman, this up-and-coming, uh, painfully talented golfer. And uh, Scotty Gilmore altered the course of my life, took me under his wing, and um, I started catting out here in the, in the California desert with he and his stepsons. And then um, they worked on the European PGA Tour in the summer months. So we had the best of both worlds, Jeff. We were spending our winters in the California desert and then uh, summers on the European PGA Tour. Uh, that, that sounds like a heavenly life, actually. I know it's not, but it, it sounds like that to have, like you said, the best of both worlds. What do you think, Larry, was your biggest um, check mark on the learning curve when you picked up a bag on the tour for the first time? <laughs> wow, that's that's such a great question. Um, just just realizing that, you know what, I was in the big leagues, um, you know, when when I was canning at North Shore canning for some chop, you know, who was going to have trouble breaking 100. Right. Um, it, it was, you know, you could really uh, guesstimate the yardage and what have you. But, you know, when I went to Cat and the European PJ Tour, it's funny. I mean, even even on the on the pro tour in the 80s in Europe, Jeff, everything was pretty antiquated. Nobody was carrying yardage books. Um, a lot of the old timers were still eyeballing yardage. Um, a lot of these golf courses didn't even have uh, yardage monumentation in the way of sprinkler heads. Mm -hmm. So the, the European PGA Tour officials used to just, they would paint an orange, uh, sorry, a red and a yellow circle in the middle of the fairway. Uh, one of them close to the 200-yard mark and one of them close to the 150 mark. So um, <laughs> it, was, it was pretty rudimentary. And, um, you know, I really experienced the evolution of caddying at the grassroots level. So when, when I realized that I was, in fact, in the big leagues and that these players wanted to know pretty close to exactly how far they were to the hole, you know, I, I didn't know what a pinchy was prior to caddying on the European PGA Tour, where they would tell you exactly, for, you know, you wanted to know, Jeff, how far you were from where you were in the fairway to the front of the green. And, and then you had a pin sheet that told you how far the flag was on and where it was located. That almost sounds like top, top goal, you know, big circles out there. Yeah, there we go. There we yeah. go. Amen. You know, it really was. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting. So in, in the book, you talk about um, Norman, you talk about uh, Bruce Crampton, you talk about Chi-Chi, you talk about uh, Trevino, you talk about Gary Player, you had experiences with all those people. Was it when you went to work with Bruce that you really got your education so to speak you know you 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 got the gist of my 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 chapter on bruce it was a hard chapter to write you know bruce was a really misunderstood guy but i give him a lot of credit man he he turned me into one hell of a caddy and it was funny because when i picked up Turbino's bag he asked me he said larry let me ask you one thing i said what's that lee he said how long did you caddy for crampton i said three years he says, well, I'm pretty sure if you could handle him for three years, you can handle me for a week. <laughs> so, and, it, you know, Bruce, I, like I said, I give him a lot of credit. He was all business on the golf course. There was not a lot of um, messing around going on. He, he ran a very tight ship. But I give him a lot of credit for that. He really 
gave me the confidence to know that I, I could work for anybody after working for Bruce. You, you mentioned something about running a tight ship and, and understanding that. How long did it take you to develop a thick skin? Because, you know, there's a million stories out there, Larry, about the abuse that caddies suffer. Uh, I've actually seen it firsthand. I've not been a caddy, but I photographed enough tournaments to see when a player hits a bad shot. Ultimately, it's the caddy's fault. Uh, it's it's not the player most of the time. And there's, uh, you know, they deflect. We all do that. It's a natural instinct. But, you know, if it was supposed to be, you know, draw it in there with a, you know, five yard draw and just lay it up there soft and, and they run over the green and back into the swamp. It's your fault. So amen, amen, Jeff. You know, if you're gonna caddy on any professional tour, I've always said you better have a chrome plate at heart, man. Um, now some of the players are a lot easier than the others. Um, from what I understand, Nick Price was one of the one of the most awesome guys you could work for. But um, you know, it's funny, even now, as little golf as I watch on TV, every so often you'll you'll see a player chewing on a caddy and um I will tell you, you know, Cheech, I worked for Cheech and Rodriguez for four years, uh, three years. There were two different stints, a three-year stint and then uh, a, a one-year stint. And, um, you know, Cheech is a wonderful guy. And I experienced some unbelievable golf and some unbelievable humanitarianism. But I had my hands full on the golf course with him. And I remember his manager would call me. We'd have a chance to win the tournament and it didn't turn out. And Monday morning, I get a call from Chi-Chi's office from his manager, you know, asking me, Larry, what happened out there yesterday? I said, Eddie, I didn't, I didn't make one bogey last week. You know, I, I, <laughs> when Chi-Chi's playing great, I'm, I'm not trying to take credit for his good play, and I'm, I'm not going to take credit for his bad. Um, so, you know, it, it really depends on who you're working for and how much help they want and how much flack you're going to get when things don't go right. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, it, it can get pretty interesting out there. I'll tell you that. Oh, absolutely. Um, we're going to take a, a break here on grilling at the green. We're going to be back with, uh, Larry Molestic, whose new book golf road, my time with the masters of the game. And he was there, uh, when things were getting good. So we're going to be back with Larry right after this here on grilling at the green. Hey, everybody, JT here. You know, every week on Grilling at the Green, we bring you a travel tip, and that is brought to you by the Weston dealerships. I've known those guys since I was a kid, and they have one way of doing business. It's called the Weston Way. It's family-oriented, and there's no better people to deal with. Check out Weston Kia on Southeast Stark in Gresham, Oregon. This is an encore. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. Uh, if you'd like to email us, it's very simple. Just go info at grillingatthegreen.net, or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter and all those and send us a message. It's uh, pretty easy to do that. Uh, we've got Larry Molesic here with us today. His new book, Golf Road. It's a self-published book, but you can find it on Amazon and some of the bookstores, I think, in that. And it's a great it's a great read. I'm just going to put it that way. And, um, I don't overly endorse books, but this one I would recommend because there's great stories in it. Was Chichi the most generous uh, pro that you worked for? Yeah, he was. Cheech was amazing. Cheech was, 
You know, that question gives me goosebumps. I, I saw I saw Chi-Chi do some really incredible things. You know, Chi-Chi would send me to the finance office to get some operating capital. And I'd, I'd get uh, $3,000 cash for him. And lo and behold, the next day we'd be playing in the Pro-Am. Jeff, he'd, he'd, be, he'd be handing that money out discreetly to the to the workers on the golf course or, or to anybody. Um, it, it was really incredible. I, you know, here's a great story. There was, there was a, a girl, a young woman who, uh, she was a young girl. I think she was about 13 or 14 years old. I've, I've long wondered whatever happened to her, but she loved Chichi Rodriguez and she begged her father to, to bring her to the golf course and uh, to the golf tournament in the desert. We were playing at PJ West. So, they showed up and she got to meet her idol, Chichi Rodriguez. Well, Chichi found out that they were sleeping in their car. And he had his pilot get them a room at the, at the uh, La Quinta Resort, which is not cheap. He told them to put all their meals on the room. And then he had me take her into the pro shop at, at PJ West and buy her $500 worth of clothing. And um, it was things like that that I got to witness that were really, really incredible. Chichi, really a selfless guy. Uh, one of the first weeks I worked for him, he he ended up uh, actually no, it's not true. I was on Crampton's bag, and Chichi beat us, and he donated the winner's share of the purse. He he donated his check to a uh, a town that had been ravaged by a tornado two weeks prior. Wow! So um, really an incredible guy. How do you balance that though, Larry? I mean, here you've got a somebody that's doing all these great kind of very, you know, personable and, you know, giving things on one hand and then the other hand, it's your fault. His uh, chip shot rolled in the drink. How, how do you, how do you balance that? That would be hey, tough you, for me. You just, you, Jeff, if you want to be a tour caddy, you just have to. That's, yeah. that's the bottom line, you know. Uh, one of his friends one time, I'll never forget, he said to me, uh, Cheech was, he was all over me one round. We were playing at Country Club of the South in Alfreda, Georgia. And um, things weren't going well. And, um, and you know, I was the, I, I was bearing the brunt of the, uh, of the situation. And Cheech's buddy said to me after the round, he said, Larry, I, I love Cheechy. He's my friend. But I got to tell you, man, I, I wouldn't take that from anybody. And you know what I told him? I said, then you wouldn't be a tour caddy very long, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, I've had other caddies on the show and a lot of them because we cover the LPGA a lot. <clears throat> um, you know, they tell me about their experiences and, and this and that, and that's fun. But we, yours, because these are the guys I grew up with. These are the guys I watched on television when I was a kid, you know, uh, you knew about Chi Chi and you knew ab about uh, Trevino and Crampton and all those guys. Who was the biggest pain in the butt you worked for? If you don't mind me just kind of blurting that out like that. that, that that'd be Bruce. That, that'd definitely be Bruce. Yeah. You know, Bruce, Bruce was the uh, precursor to Scott Hoke. From what I understand, Scott Hoke wasn't real liked amongst his, amongst his peers and um, you know, Bruce was, he wasn't real liked by his peers, but again, he was just all business on the course. And, but, um, you know, some of the stuff that I caught flack for from Bruce, I mean, I, I got bitched out once cause I whistled on the golf course and, um, he, 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 that really bothered him. He, he told me that it, 
it, it told him that I didn't have a worry in the world. And, and uh, believe me, I, I, I wanted to tell him, oh, I got, I got a worry. I got a big worry. I got to, I got to put up with you every day. Yeah. I got a five foot 11, you know, 201 pound worry right there. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> Bruce, Bruce was definitely, yeah, he was the, he was the hardest. Um, but I would tell you, you know, Cheech, Cheech could get a little rough, but, but Cheech even admitted to me, he, he had even told me, um, that, you know, he gave me a lot of flack for stuff that had nothing to do with me. Um, I, I will tell you one of the one of the most interesting relationships I saw on the golf course was was Lee Trevino and Herman Mitchell. I mean, Lee loved Herman like a like a brother, and he took great care of him. But Herman talked Lee into the wrong club on a on a par three. We I was packing for for. Gary and we were paired with Lee and Jack. How about that for a threesome? Oh, there you and go. Herman talked Lee into the into the wrong club on a par three, and Lee blew it over the green. And the cops had just, you know, had uh, they had basically just beat up Rodney King in L.A. And and Lee got in Herman's face and told him, "Do you see what those cops did to that Rodney King in L.A.?" And Herman said, "Yeah, what about it?" He said, "It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do to you if you don't get the right club in my hands." And you know, he, I know he was just kidding, but uh, that was a really interesting converse, uh, uh, conversation to, to witness. And that relationship was really, really interesting. They, <laughs> Lee used to mess with Herman something fierce. It sounds like Lee messed with everybody. He did. He did. He really did. Um, we were paired with, um, I was, again, caddying for player and we were paired with Lee and um, Scottsdale and there was a big rattlesnake on the back of the tee box and um, Herman was terrified of this snake and you know Lee kept telling him don't worry about that snake Herman she ain't gonna do nothing to you and Herman just he was hyper focused on the snake well in a in a moment when Herman's uh, attention was diverted Lee snuck up behind him he, he whispered in my ear watch this and he grabbed one of Gary's uh, irons out of the bag and he snuck up behind Herman and he tapped on his ankle. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> if you, I saw 350 pounds get airborne. <laughs> and as soon as he hit the ground, man, he, the, oh, he was like Mussolini from the, from the balcony. <laughs> the expletives were flying, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lee. Lee loved it. You know, I mean, you look at the a la the uh, the snake story, you know, with Jack. There oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> absolutely. We're going to take another break. We're going to be back with a uh, former tour caddy who finally uh, realized there was uh, more to life than sleeping in a tent. I say that in jest uh, here on Grilling at the Green with uh, Larry Molestic right after this. Don't go away. Hey, everybody. It's JT. You know, I talk about Painted Hills all the time. Uh, and we always say beef the way nature intended. But it's more than that because each bite of Painted Hills will make your taste buds explode. Put a big, bright smile on your face. And whoever is at your dinner table will have a big, bright smile on their face. And you can thank me for that later. Just go to paintedhillsbeef.com and find out more you won't regret it this is an encore welcome back to growing it's green i'm jt we'd like to thank the folks at painted hills natural beef beef the way nature intended you can check them out online at paintedhillsnaturalbeef.com because you can buy 
directly from them in some of the gift boxes and stuff. If not, uh, you can go to the website, find the store locator, see if there's a store near you that carries it. And also Birdie Ball, John Breaker and his family back in Colorado developed Birdie Ball, oh, 20 years ago, and it's still rolling in there getting bigger and it's a great practice unit um just check them out online at birdieball.com and again real quick if you want to email us just info at grilling at the green.net we're talking with larry molestic here today larry's new book out called golf road uh the masters of the game his time with them and uh it's a great book if you grew up watching trevino and nicholas and rodriguez and bruce crampton and the shark and all this there's stories about all of them in this book What's the one thing, Larry, after all your years on the on caddying, what's the one thing that sticks out the most in your mind? Um, I, I would just say how you mean the one instance or like yeah. the overall message? Uh, no, is there one thing? Was there, was there one incident, instance, whatever you want to call it, that you went, wow, and that really you know, turned on the light in your head saying, this is where I'm supposed to be right now. Or maybe it's like, I got to get out of here. Not, no, you know, it's funny, Jeff, there's not just one because there's so many. I mean, I'm so reminded of how lucky I was to be embedded in golf. I mean, you know, you, you see like uh, the, the montage of, of, um, of you know, golf uh, events. And there's the one of Seve Ballesteros in 84 at St. Andrews when he's fist pumping and looking directly at the camera, smiling with that boyish grin. And right after he sunk that putt at 18 for one of the most memorable finishes in, in open history, Jeff, I was 70 feet away from him on the steps of their RNA clubhouse. Um, you know, and then you see like a Rolex commercial and there's footage of Jack, Arnold and, and Gary walking up the fairway together, black and white footage. And I think, wow, that's, that's crazy. I mean, that's my former boss and two gentlemen I spent a heck of a lot of time around. I mean, I'm reminded constantly of things that occurred that I was so fortunate to witness. So there, there's not just one thing. There's just a collaboration of things that that I'm, you know, I'm fortunate enough to experience pretty, pretty regularly. Um, and unfortunately, there's there are so many young players that, you know, Jeff, they, they, they don't know who any of these guys are. I, I played with a guy, probably a young man, probably eight months ago, he didn't know who Chicha Rodriguez was. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's fine. I get that. But it's, you know, it's interesting to me. I just saw something recently, Jeff. You're familiar with the band Devo? Remember oh, Devo? Yeah. Oh, sure. You know who's on the cover of the Devo album, the first one? I don't Chicha remember. Chicha Rodriguez. Oh, is he? <laughs> and there was, a, there was a podcast about the whole story behind this. Well, I knew the story. Chichi had told me about it. So... You know, again, I'm constantly reminded of things um, from my past and how lucky I was. One story I'd like you to relate to our listeners is how you and the Wiz and those guys snuck into the clubhouse to get showers over at the British Open because um, you're not supposed to be in there. You know, they don't even let some of their own members in there some days, I think, depending on how they feel, the guy at the door. But but you guys were obviously needing some showers and a little warm water and soap and they kicked you out, but you finally made it in. Well, Jeff, I, I tell you what's funny, you know, we, we were, so I'm catting on the European tour and we're, you know, we, it's slowly dawned on us. I mean, there was such meager 
money in European tour golf, much less any tour golf at the time. And we finally came to the conclusion, the only way we're going to be able to make this work is if we, you know, as if we basically buy pup tents and stay on the practice pitches. Now, you'll notice I didn't say driving ranges because they didn't have driving ranges. The pros had their own balls, their own shag bags, and we mm-hmm. had to go out and shag. And so, you know, it was, um, we started sleeping in these tents on the driving ranges. And it, it really, it, it, it killed two birds with one stone because we, we had digs, we had a place to lay our heads, but we also, transportation was, was non-existent because we were there at the course. So, um, you know, it, it really, uh, again, it killed two birds with one stone. But the one thing, Jeff, we didn't take into account was the hygienic needs, <laughs> our <laughs> hygienic needs. And um, so, you know, it, it's some of the tournaments. I remember there in, in Glasgow, we played at Hags Castle and there was a rugby uh, pitch and there was a rugby club right there next to the golf course. And they let us stay on the rugby pitch. And then there were showers for the rugby club. So some of the weeks was were pretty good where, you know, we, we had a place to shower, but, you know, uh, per, per your, you know, your uh, bringing up the, the British Open, it was 80, 85 at Royal St. George's. And, um, you know, Wiz and I needed a shower. It was early in the week. And, you know, we, we, we tried to just walk right past the RNA guard and he wasn't having any of it. So we snuck around the back and we snuck in a window and, and showered. And uh, he chased us out of there, you know, when he saw us coming through the clubhouse. And uh, so it was, um, you know, there there was some other things too, you know. As a, I've long said that, you know, as a single man, you you got to have some game to get a a female back to your uh, back to your hotel room. Try to get one back to a tent. Yeah. <laughs> You're talking rodeo now, buddy. There we go. <laughs> you got to have some game. Yeah, you do. You do. Um, how did you guys, did you all just like go to this grocery store? Or did you send a couple of guys who volunteered and you pooled your money and how did you eat? Because I know now they have places, uh, some of the tourna- tournaments I've worked at and stuff, they have a, a, a caddy tent. Uh, you can call it a caddy shack if you want, but it's really a caddy tent and they have, you know, like breakfast burritos or pastries in the morning and you come back and they'll have, pizza or subway sandwiches or something for them. So there's access to food. uh, But it wasn't quite like that in those days. No, it was not. You know, we were, there was nothing, Jeff. There was, there was nothing. We, we were supplied nothing. Very few of the tournaments had anything for us. Um, You know, it's just the way it was. Um, uh, as far as dining, the majority of it was done, uh, at least after the rounds, you know, there was always a, a pub of choice or a restaurant sure. of choice where we would where we would go. Now, in Gulf Road, I talk about how there was um, there was a couple that had a little travel trailer that they used to drag behind their their rover. And uh, they Sheila used to make uh, tea and toast for us in the morning and. Um, She'd make us a little lunch or a sandwich and then possibly something at night. But um, as far as the tournaments go, no, we we uh, we weren't really recognized uh, and and we weren't supplied anything. That's a long way from there to where the caddies are today. What do you think changed? Was it just the amount of money they were playing for? Did the caddies rally, you know, here and there and say, hey, we've got to be treated better? 
I think it's a combination of both of those. I think yeah. that the the profession has evolved and that there is more money involved. But I, I think that they're just, you know, when when you look at some of the, the older caddies that were working on the European tour when I was over there, I mean, there there was a rough bunch of guys. And these guys now are, you know, heck, they've they've got I, I had a clothing contract even. Uh, working for Chi-Chi, you know, I was sponsored by Toyota, and I, I know some of these guys. I Steve Williams, I think, had a deal with Valvoline. He had it on his sleeve. I, you know, it's 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 evolved, Jeff. It's evolved uh, big time. Well, yeah, and and uh, well, you look at them now. Like Bones went to work for uh, Golf Channel and NBC. Now he went back to work. Stopped that. Went back to work for Justin Thomas, but. You know, 30 years ago, you wouldn't have dreamt of having a caddy talking on live television. You no, know what not, might not come with, out of their mouth. <laughs> there we go. Not without some serious censorship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Believe me, Jeff, I'm biting my tongue right now. I bet. I bet. Well, it's I'm I'm glad to see it. Um, all the caddies I've hung around and talked to over the years, they've all been really pretty good guys, you know. And uh, some gals are doing it now, too. And, and, you know, I think it's a very interesting experience, but it was pretty rough back then. Yeah, no, it sure was. And, um, and Jeff, it's become so competitive now, even with, you know, I'm obviously, I'm, what, what am I, uh, 25 years removed from the game. Mm-hmm. Even with my stellar resume, I, Jeff, I'd have no shot of getting a bag unless I knew somebody. Right. I mean, I'd have to, I would have to have an inside track with a player to get a bag. Now it has become so competitive because the money is so big. Yeah, it is. It is huge out there. Now uh, we're going to take another break. We're going to be back with uh, Larry Molestic and his new book here. Golf road is time with the masters of the game right after this on grilling at the green. Please stay with us. Hey everybody, JT here. If you need something to practice with in the inclement weather, try Birdie Ball. Go to birdieball.com. Check out the actual Birdie Balls, their packages, their putting greens, which I happen to have a couple of those, and they work great. Birdieball.com. This is an encore. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green here. We are based in Portland, AM860, but we are worldwide. I love saying that. You know, it's just uh, something I like to say. We're talking with Larry Molestic today. uh, But first, we're going to hear from Bruce Furman and his golf tip of the week. Hi, this is Bruce Furman. I'm the director of instruction out at Langdon Farms. And my tip today is trying to give you some advice on how to get a little more power. Pretty much everybody comes to me when they, uh, they're they taking a lesson and they tell me they want to hit it farther. I, I have yet to hear someone say, I'm just hitting it too far, you know. And so uh, how do you hit more power? Well, there's a few different ways you can get it, go about it. Uh, probably the easiest thing is just to develop a more efficient swing where you're hitting the sweet spot consi- consistently. So if you can hit the sweet spot and you can hit slightly up on the ball with your driver, you're going to get the maximum distance you can get out of that golf club. And you should have the driver fit so that, that you have the right launch angles and the right spin rates. And that, that'll help you get more distance. And one thing also, just talking about, you know, the golf swing itself, a wider backswing potentially has more power. So when you start your 
your club back, sometimes people think they're supposed to fold their right elbow into their side, and you really aren't supposed to do that. You want to let your right arm float and go off your side and not fold it in. And if you do that, you're going to have a wider backswing, and a wider backswing can, can help you get more power, and uh, you'll hit it long and straight right down the middle. Well, hopefully you will. But you will get more power if you have a little wider backswing. So I hope that helps you. Thank you, Bruce. We appreciate that. You can check out Bruce uh, online at langdonfarms.com. He's the lead, uh, the director of instruction there, I should say. You just go to instruction, click down, you'll see him there and it talks all about their programs here in the Portland area. So um, we thank Bruce for that. Now we'll get back to Larry Molestic here and I'm talking about his book, Golf Road, which I say, I do recommend this book. It's a great read. Was there one story in the book that you really meant the most to you? I got to tell you a great question. And I would, I would say probably my, really my preeminent story, you know, we were talking earlier about, is there one memory or one instance that really sticks out? And I have so many memories and instances. I would say my preeminent story though, is the one about Chichi Rodriguez and the wheelbarrow full of money when he won the tournament there at the DI and they brought the wheelbarrow full of silver dollars out on the 18th green. And, you know, and the cameras around him as he's running his fingers through the coins. And I wrote in Golf Road that I was, you know, standing off the, the side of the 18th green witnessing this, thinking he looked like a pirate that just dug up buried treasure. You know, all he needed was a parrot and an earring. <laughs> so we go back to his, his suite at the Desert Inn to celebrate the, the win, you know, because yeah. you don't win every week. And. Cheech turned me on to Johnny Walker Blue. Now, I didn't even know Blue ex existed, but um, his <laughs> pilot ran out and, and grabbed, uh, I think it was a half dozen bottles of, of Blue. And so we were celebrating the win and Cheechy got a call, took it in the other room because, you know, this is 91. We didn't have cell phones. Right. And when he came back into that room, he, he you know, you thought that he would have found out somebody shot his favorite dog. He got some bad, some kind of news. So we turned the, the Puerto Rican music down and um, all eyes on Chi-Chi and his wife asked him, Juan, is everything okay? And he said, yeah, yeah, everything's okay. She, she asked him again, is everybody okay? And he said, yeah, everybody's fine. That was my sister Rosa. And she reminded me of, about a story that I totally forgot about. And she said, What's, what story is that? And he said, when I was a poor boy growing up in Puerto Rico, I had a recurring dream. I dreamt that I had a wheelbarrow full of money. And every time I told my sister Rosa about that dream, she would tell me, Juan, you got to stop torturing yourself. You're poor. You're always going to be poor. You need to put that dream out of your mind. And 45 years later, she flipped on her TV set. And what did she see? A wheelbarrow and, full of money. You know, when her brother with a wheelbarrow full of money. And, it, you know, I'm I'm a pretty clever guy, Jeff, but I, I couldn't make that story up. I got to witness that. Yeah. Yeah, that was very, <clears throat> very touching. Um, Larry's going to stick around for after hours, and I guarantee you it will be fun. But the name of the book is Golf Road, My Time with the Masters of the Game by Lawrence. Uh, now, formally, this is so people know who you are, Larry. Lawrence Molestic. There's a picture of him with Gary Caddy, with Gary Player's bib on uh right there on the front and larry it's been great to talk to you i uh i could talk to you for hours about this stuff well my pleasure jeff thank you so much for having me on thank you and uh 
I'd, I'd love to come back anytime you, you give me a buzz. Uh, you've got it, brother. Uh, we will be back next week with another edition um, here on the radio version of uh, Grilling at the Green. And don't forget, like I said, Larry's going to stick around for after hours, which you can get on the podcast version. So until then, everybody take care, be happy, and be kind. Grilling at the Green is produced by JTSD Productions, LLC, in association with Salem Media Group, all rights reserved. And remember, the key to lower scores, a pencil with an eraser. See you next week.